Hello and welcome to episode 116 of the CogniCast, the podcast by Cognitech Inc. about software and the people who create it. Well, this is our first episode in 2017 and we're going to kick off the new year with a new host, Karen Meyer. Along with being one of the senior developers here at Cognitech, Karen is also a great conference speaker. If you haven't had a chance to see Karen fly a closure-controlled drone over a conference stage, you have missed the real-life experience. Karen is also the author of the O'Reilly book, Living Closure. This week, Karen will be talking to Cognitech CEO, the irrepressible Justin Getlin. Goodness knows we've tried our best to repress him without success. Karen and Justin will be talking about the year just passed and looking forward to 2017. But before we get started, we do have a couple of events to mention. First, the Closure Remote Conference is going to happen on February 9th and 10th. Closure Remote is a two-day online closure conference targeted at practicing closure developers. It features talks, interactive tutorials, workshops, and breakout sessions. Take a look at 2017.closureremote.com, that's the numerals 2017, closure remote's all one word, for more information. Second, the Closure D conference is happening in Berlin on February 25th. Closure D is an independent nonprofit conference by and for the closure community held in Berlin in Germany. Meet the German and European closure community and share a good time together. The conference will be held in English. Take a look at www.clojured.de for more information. Finally, if you have a closure-related event that you would like us to mention, please drop us a line at podcast at cognitech.com. Well, that's about it. So on to Karen and Justin in episode 116 of the Cognicast. Are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> okay. Welcome, everyone. Today is December 20th, and this is the Cognicast. I'm Karen Meyer, and today it's my great pleasure to welcome Justin Getland to the show. Thank you for being with us, Justin. Absolutely. Always my pleasure. Yeah, and this is kind of exciting for me because this is my first time um, hosting the show, so I really appreciate you being here. This is great. Oh, wow. I'm your first guest. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, the the first question, as you traditionally know on the Cognicast, uh, we like to start the show by asking uh, you to relate some experience of art, uh, whatever that means to you. Yeah, and I, I've had the pleasure of being able to answer that question twice before for the Cognicast, once on the first time it was asked to replace the old question, and then a second time for the uh, 100th episode extravaganza, which was quite fun. Um, so this time, uh, I'm just going to talk about something that um, I found really uh, heartwarming uh, earlier this year when my wife and I went to go see uh, Adele. Uh, my wife and I are both huge Adele fans, and for my wife's birthday, I got her some tickets to see her in Nashville, which happens to be uh, a place we lived for four years, about 15 years ago so. A little bit of a, 
uh, old home trip. Um, but we went to see the show. And if uh, any of the listeners were paying attention to the Adele concert tour, she did something a little strange, which was that they announced all the tickets for all the shows went on sale simultaneously. So they pretty much broke Ticketmaster and the entire concert tour was sold out within about five minutes, uh, which was quite ridiculous. So, um, you know, I had to get the tickets off of StubHub and we were in the Nashville arena, downtown, the Bridgestone arena. And we were in the very, very last row of the arena in fact we were in such the last row of the arena that there wasn't even a way to get to the row we were in you had to go to the row in front of it walk halfway down it and then climb over a chair (laughs) so we were pretty far away from the stage but during the show Adele asked the audience you know how many people here got these tickets for Christmas and how many people got these tickets for a birthday or something like that and while she was sort of doing her crowd work somebody pointed out a woman who was holding up a big sign and the sign said Uh, My husband got me this ticket for our 40th anniversary, but he could only get one. So Adele calls her up onto the stage. And so here comes this, you know, 60 something year old woman um, uh, up on stage and Adele is talking to her and uh, and she says, you know, uh, so where is your husband? And she said, well, he's actually, you know, down the street in a bar watching the um, playoff baseball (laughs) game. And she said, well, would he rather be there than here? And she goes, no, he'd rather be here, but he could only get the one ticket. And so she says, okay, do you have your cell phone with you? And she says, sure. So she has uh, the woman take a selfie of the two of them, uh, you know, standing there. Adele puts her arm over her shoulders. Um, and uh, and then she says, now call him and tell him that uh, Jerry will be outside waiting for him. And they sent a security guard and he walked down from the bar down the street and got escorted into the show and got to watch the rest of the show, which I thought was <laughs> That's pretty awesome. awesome. That is so awesome. <laughs> That's great. So how was the rest of the show? Was that was it as good? Uh, the show was fantastic. Um, I have to say that that she's a remarkable performer. She can, um, uh, you know, if you listen to her albums, um, she's got a very distinctive singing style and a very distinctive singing voice. I didn't know what to expect being in a giant arena, but she carries an arena quite beautifully and is able to really project into the space, which was awesome. Um, the only downside is that I did not get to see the last six songs of the set because my daughter got sick and was watching my boy, Asheville, and so I had to take an Uber <laughs> to oh, get no. back to uh, apartment. And so, But at least Lisa got to see the last six songs. So I got to see the first 12. It was an 18-song set, which is pretty darn good. Oh, um, good. And she was a, a remarkably talkative performer. A lot of performers just sort of stand up there and get through the the material as fast as they can but she really wanted to to you know hang out so it was a very fun show cool yeah i've, I've heard that she just gives great concerts um so yeah well well let's um jump to the the main interview here and we wanted sure. to talk about um the year interview yeah. this has been a crazy crazy year so <laughs> yeah <clears throat> <laughs> to say the very least, <laughs> but but let's talk about um, what, what's been happening at Cognitect um, over the uh, past year. Probably better for all of our blood pressure. <laughs> sort of inward there a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, um, uh, uh, 2016 um, has been uh, pretty good, um, and uh, we've seen a lot of uh, interesting new releases out into the world. And, uh, you know, we've paid 
uh, a lot of attention to the the things that we can be doing as an organization to um, you know service our various communities, um, the the people who you know uh, the community around closure, our customers for both our consulting and for our Datomic product, and um, uh, I think we've had a, a a good year as a result of that. And I would say that um, it's hard to really say whether 2016 went the way we all envisioned it, because as you said, it's been a crazy year. (laughs) And it's one of those years where I'm having trouble remembering what the world was supposed to look like (laughs) at the end of 2016 from the beginning of it. And some of that is internal and some of it isn't. Uh, But it's uh, been a rather discombobulating last few months, as you you might expect. Uh, So, you know, a lot of times we'll do these year-end reviews and and we'll talk about, so, you know, what were the plans for the year and then how did the year turn out in relation to those plans. And I have to say, I really don't have a good answer to that because I can't remember (laughs) what we said. Uh, You know, the world is so radically different than what I expected it to be right now. Well, we can just um, talk about some highlights um, from the past year. So I I know that there was a big announcement, uh, top of mind recently, at the Conj, around Conj timing uh, with Datomic. Uh, So you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so um, uh, to recap what the announcement entailed, so um, we announced uh, a couple of changes to both the licensing and feature set around uh, Datomic. Um, the first uh, thing that came out was the new clients um, and the client API, um, which is coming. Um, and so uh, this is aimed at providing an alternative uh, architectural usage pattern for Datomic. Obviously, the peer libraries as they have exist, existed all along are um, a, a heavier um, example of a way to use a database and, and um, the reason they're called peers is because your application code then becomes a peer a part of the database system as, as opposed to you know uh, referencing this thing over there mm-hmm. really brings the, uh, the two your application and the database together but what you get is a, is a quite um, heavy footprint not only in terms of dependencies for the library itself um, but also in terms of since you're caching so much of the data uh, in memory at your application um, space, and uh, over the course of the last you know several years, watching people taking advantage of Datomic in in various um, systems and various architectures, we saw that there was um, some need to have a lighter footprint on both of those uh, sides of that statement. You know, something that that would bring less of a dependency footprint along with it, but also something that um, wouldn't uh, impact the memory space as much. And of course, there are trade-offs when you do that because if you're going to not have as much memory taken up, that means you're not caching data locally and things like that. But the clients uh, and, and the new client API are a way to address that very thing. And um, it gets at some architectural flexibility that we're very um, excited about seeing people take advantage of, you know, people building more microservices style applications and, and um, uh, you know, wider deployment footprints and that sort of thing. So, but then the other part of the announcement was the changes to the licensing. So what we wanted to do was simplify the adoption path and simplify the story around um, what you get and how much you pay for what you get uh, and to try to make um, all of that um, uh, easier to understand, easier to consume, and easier to progress through. So um, there are now um, you know, the, the three main additions of Datomic, Datomic Starter, Datomic Pro and Datomic 
enterprise, and each of those have uh, currently identical features. So um, it used to be that Starter was a more limited deployment. You, you could only have um, a certain number of peers. You couldn't uh, use all of the storages. You did not get um, high availability. You couldn't turn on memcached, those sorts of things. Uh, and what we've done is taken all of those limits off everywhere. Um, so all three uh, versions of the product have the exact same feature set. You can use anything you could use in pro or enterprise at the starter level, um, et cetera. And the idea there is to, to allow people to really experiment with the full weight and power of the entire system um, to do and build whatever it is that they need to, to build and, and to experience um, the system in all of its uh, glory. Uh, so that they can make decisions about commercial adoption and and um, uh, you know be able to do that in the in with full information, um, and then uh, on the pro side, um, uh, we've been living in a world um, for the last three years with a sync model. You start with um, you know five peers, and then you can buy more peers as you move up. And um, once again thinking in terms of allowing people to um, consume this in, you know, with less friction and make better decisions about both their initial adoption and their the future adoption, um, that scalable pricing was really getting in, in people's way. And in fact, was in some cases even influencing people's architectural decisions. You know, Instead of building uh, as many nodes, if you will, using as many peers as would be required for a wide distribution, they would build uh, the architecture uh, of their application um, to, to limit the total number you know that sort of um, arbitrary pressure on technical decisions is never something that we you know we intended the licensing model to interfere with and so you know the new model is um, uh, the atomic pro has an unlimited peer count per transactor and it's five thousand dollars per year per transactor and that simple uh, non-changing price point allows people to really plan ahead um, and see what their investment will be going in the future. And then um, obviously now Datomic Enterprise, uh, which is listed out on the site, um, is for people who, uh, for whom our standard EULA uh, might not um, be acceptable within their corporate environment or for whom they need um, more or more specific or more customized support options or things like that. So that uh, simplification um, uh, is completely in response to you know, watching and working with our customer base and seeing uh, what things were getting in the way of, of a smooth adoption path. And so we're very excited to get that stuff out in the world and, and to see how um, it changes people's adoption paths. And, and um, as always, we'd very much like to hear uh, from everybody about uh, how that's going and, and um, uh, what we can do to enable the adoption um, uh, within your teams or your companies. Uh, and to that end, the third part of the release announcement was that if you um, have come in and signed up for uh, a starter account or a Datomic Pro account, there's now um, a place where you can come and participate in a discussion about things that, uh, you know, features that you'd like to see or vote on the features that other people have requested or um, talk to us about, um, you know, what would make it a more compelling um, use case for your team or organization. And, and um, uh, so if you already have an account or if you don't have one yet, go and sign up for an account with Atomic Starter. Uh, and then you can participate over in that conversation, uh, which has been uh, a lot of fun to see, you know, that communication flowing in since we've made that uh, announcement. So cool. So uh, what was it has been initial feedback? Is it? Uh, it's been 
remarkably positive. In fact, um, uh, around discussing the the, um, uh, <laughs> I have a bias uh, where I, I very much um, don't read a lot of things on Hacker News, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like a lot of people in the industry. Um, uh, sometimes I find it to be um, uh, an overwhelming area, and um, I actually found the the thread there to be um, remarkably reasonable and well thought through, and and a lot of good give and take. And, wow. and um, so we very. <laughs> Been very excited with the feedback. A lot of positive feedback. Some people had some questions or concerns or confusion. Obviously, not everybody is going to be identical in their response, but but we've been very very happy with the response. And and um, uh, a lot of people have always started to participate in the receptive I/O uh, discussion area, which is fantastic as well. So um, the more of that, the better. Great. Uh, the the other big thing that I that I'm thinking of in the in the closure world lately has been um, spec. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Spec is one of those great um, things where you know I, I have the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to make his head too big, but uh, <laughs> I'll go ahead and use the word anyway. I have the honor of of being able to work uh, directly with Rich uh, Hickey. If you're listening and didn't know who I was talking about. Uh, on a you know daily basis, and um, to be able to observe how his mind works and um, how things get from point A to point B, and and uh, another way to put that is um, a lot of people uh, you know things appear fully formed out of his head uh, into the world, but um, I can sort of see where the hammock sits and uh, get to watch things formulate there, and watching. Um, the evolution of the ideas that became spec, you know, really take shape and um, get hammered into uh, the library as it's been released. And to see uh, people's response to it has been really remarkable. And it's the kind of addition to uh, the language that really has a uh, an opportunity to, you know, cause developers to think differently about um, how they build systems and um, uh, how they test systems and how to understand them. Uh, and that's one of those remarkable things. You know, one of the things that drew myself uh, and um, Stu and, and the company to Closure back in the day was it was it was forcing us to, to change the way we thought about um, building the systems that we were building and, and um, spec does that again and uh it was you know remarkable to me to think that that something could be added to the language that would do that again you know <laughs> um, uh so you know it's impossible for us to know exactly what the impact of that will be on the community at large but i can definitely say that um uh, you know a good indicator of the kind of excitement that we're seeing around it is that when we um uh, you know started planning for conj um, we always host uh, some training um, sessions, and this year, um, you know, we had intro to closure like we always do. We had a datomic class, um, and we introduced a spec class, and we had set the um, sort of seating cap at 20 seats uh, initially, uh, and we had to bump that cap um, three times in the wow. run-up to college. Uh, and so we had 65 people in the room. Um, for the the half day spec class that Alex Miller so ably uh, taught, and um, uh, that wildly exceeded what we thought the the um, interest would be in 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 person training on spec. You know, mere months after it was announced. Um, so you know, we know that people are excited about it. We know that people are still coming to grips with what it does to their development 
process to their mindset um, to how they go about building code. But but it's definitely been um, it's been good for us internally. Um, we certainly use it uh, all over the place. Uh, um, you know, inside of uh, our work on Datomic, but for our customer projects as well. Um, uh, but you know, we're constantly seeing um, people using it out in the world in um, novel ways that you know we want to learn from as well. So we're, we're we're very excited about that. Very cool. Um, yeah, I, I I went to um, uh, Euroclosure and there were quite a lot of talks of spec at um, Euroclosure, and I believe at at um, ClosureConj there were as well, right? Yes. Uh, and, um, you know, that's one of the huge things about being part of an open source community like this is that uh, with open source, you can, uh, you get this this crazy feedback loop that you you don't get. Um, so, I, you know, I, I've been in the industry long enough to remember when open source wasn't that big of a deal. People weren't doing it very much. And when you release things out in the world, you know, it was seven to nine years later before people started to write books or talk about the technology because yeah. now it's like, you know, spec comes out in two weeks, people that we've never met or heard of are giving public talks about it, which is awesome. Uh, and it's great, you know, to go to someplace like Euroclosure or Conj and sit in the audience and then listen to people talk about, okay, well, that thing happened in the world now, you know, here's how it's impacting me or here's how other people could then take it forward um, and it's always uh, fun to have that echoed back, you know, so fast. Um, and uh, I do have to applaud the closure community. It's a community built of people who are uh, very, very willing and able to uh, take something, digest it, uh, talk about it, uh, and expound on it, and, and expand upon it. Uh, and it's uh, it's always gratifying to see that happen and to see it happen quickly. Yeah. On the on the subject of community, the other thing that that just happened recently is the uh, survey went out, right? Yeah, we are currently in the midst of the survey for 2016. By the time people listen to this, um, we will have, you know, cl- completed and closed the survey. I think it closes on December 23rd. I can't imagine this is going out before then. Uh, and, um, you know, then we have the holidays and we'll be releasing the full data set and the, you know, our um, traditional analysis uh, in January. Um, I can definitely say that um, we're excited that the uptake of the survey has been, uh, you know, uh, very positive and very strong this year, um, uh, continuing the trend over the last several years, growth of um, of the respondents. Uh, definitely some interesting um, trends in the data. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, the number of people using Clojure at work uh, in the responses has jumped, you know, significantly over last year. And, and last year, it was already quite high. So, um, you know, there's a lot of indications in the data so far, early indications that, that, you know, commercial adoption and commercial use remain on a positive, uh, strongly positive, uh, trend. And so when we, you know, really dig in and, and get to pull apart the numbers, uh, and do some, some real trend analysis, we'll have more to say on that. But, but early indications are that, you know, that's continuing to trend positively. And I hope that that's good news for everybody out there who's trying to, you know, <laughs> build a, a job or a business or a team around the technology. <laughs> yeah. So, um, those results, um, does, uh, I was just wondering if the survey results, uh, help drive, um, development and closure or, um, you know, how, how are those results used? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we have long-term planning that that is always in place, and I say we, I mean, you know, really, uh, I am not um, uh, day-to-day involved in in how closure itself is planned and um, scoped for the future, but but those plans 
exist and and um uh you know there's there's really two categories of utility um, cognitect in terms of the survey data and then of course there's you know we love to get this data into the hands of everybody else um you know uh it, it's it's great to see people like you know Colin at cursive and um you know other open source developers um who can take this raw data and make their own decisions and 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 see their own trends um so we really want to empower people uh with the data that way as well it's not just about cognitech by any stretch of the imagination we didn't even invent the survey right Chaz emmerich did thank you Chaz. one more time <laughs> um uh we're really just stewards of the survey at this point but you know yeah um, the survey data um, feeds into the planning that goes into closure itself and, and the kinds of places where, um, you know, uh, work is going to be valuable to the community. Certainly that data helps in those discussions. But the other thing, obviously, is that Cognitech as a company is the sort of, you know, we have a commercial interest in the, the language and the community continue to grow. Uh, and um, so it's very useful for us to see where and how um, uh, the, the, the technologies are spreading out in the world. And, and, you know, there have been a couple of small changes to the survey this year that's going to allow us all to see more, you know, where the technology is really penetrating um, in terms of industries, in terms of types of companies, that sort of thing, um, uh, which will help people who are job seeking, who are trying to hire, um, and it helps uh, us try to, you know, figure out how to continue to support the community uh, in taking advantage of these technologies. So, um, uh, you know, yes, these, these survey results are great for us. It's great for closure. It's great for the community. And I hope that, you know, everybody, once we have the survey closed and, and push the data out there, takes a look through it and really sort of pulls apart, um, you know, the trends that they see and, and uh, uh, makes uh, some interesting discoveries of their own uh, from within the data. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see the results. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> well, all you have to do, just after Friday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. We, so we've talked a lot about um, uh, Datomic and uh, the closure and and the community. Uh, what happened over the past year? Um, can you? What about the the consulting side of things? Um, are there any highlights that you can um, talk about? Yeah, I mean, uh, on the consulting side of the house, um, uh, I think that that um, one of the things that we've certainly learned a couple of years is that I th uh, there's been some confusion about um, the the scope or the nature of the kinds of things that we do with our professional services and consulting teams, um, and uh, we've tried very hard in 2016 to to streamline that message a little bit so people can understand how we can help and, and, and the kinds of things that we do. And I think that one thing that uh, had felt like maybe was uh, people were starting to forget about was that we don't simply just do the sort of training and boot camp style engagements with closure, but, you know, obviously can help you actually build systems. And uh, with that renewed sort of emphasis on that messaging 2016, we, we've, we've really seen, you know, that come back into the fore and, and um, uh, a lot of kinds of interesting projects where we're in there really helping people not only, you know, build the thing, but specify it and, and really plan ahead for the, the whole deployment cycle from, you know, inception to deployment on. And, and that's been really fun. Um, certainly we've seen uh, uh, a continued growth in, um, you know, some of our stronger markets. Uh, financial services remains a, a really big driver uh, for all of the parts of, of what Cognitech does, um, our consulting business, um, closure uptake, 
atomic uptake. Um, but science and healthcare have been a big um, place for us as well. Uh, I think you yourself have been working in the healthcare space mm-hmm. of late. And what um, I'm really excited about any year where we can have can have been working on is that a is that the blue perfect <laughs> I can't remember the the tense of that but um, uh, any year where we get to work on a project um, like some of the ones we've done this year where the the potential reach is massive uh, you know working with global ten companies to to build things that that um, can get out to lots and lots and lots of people. Those are always fun, but we've had a really good mix this year of working with, you know, uh, fresh startups and, um, early stage companies, mid-sized companies, you know, huge organizations. Um, and, uh, so it's, it's, it's felt good from that perspective. Um, certainly, uh, the market's taken a couple of punches this year in terms of uncertainty. Um, we do a lot of work in and around um, the UK and in Europe and, uh, you know, the things that happened around Brexit uh, certainly had an impact on uh, what some people were willing to do or not do uh, within this year. And obviously, uh, presidential election years uh, in the U.S. always create market turmoil and and you know there are positives and negatives of that um, there are things that opportunities that present themselves in times of uh, turmoil that um, wouldn't have presented themselves otherwise and then there are things like uh, uh, they would be sure uh, fire uh, successes that turn out to be more questionable in in, in those uh, sorts of situations and so um, you know we knew going into 2016 that there was a lot happening geopolitically that that would be affecting the markets that we work in uh, so none of that was a shock um, and I think that we've come through, um, you know, pretty strong uh, as a result of, of thinking ahead about those things and, and being ready for some of the impacts. Um, like I said, can't predict everything <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a pretty good um, position right now uh, to look ahead to 2017. And I think that the other cool thing about our consulting work this year has been the sort of the, the continuing exposure to the new people that we get to work with. And, yeah. and we've, we've had some great new team members um, to the full-time staff this year and um, a slew of great people in the contract uh, development pool. And um, as always, uh, one of the things that I look forward to most is, is meeting new people and getting to work with uh, awesome, talented folks. And, and that has felt like a, a good, strong part of me. So, Yeah, totally. I, I guess uh, I, most of our listeners probably know that uh, we are remote, but uh, <laughs> distributed, <laughs> distributed, distributed remote. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't. Uh, well, I want to know if you wanted to speak uh, of you know challenges or advantages um, that you know the the whole distributed um, uh, setup uh, yeah. that we have here. Had. Yeah, I think um, you know. Craig and I chatted a little bit about that on a previous um, Cognicast, but I think some things that have happened in the meantime uh, I think are worth chatting about. The first that I'd like to point out is that a few months ago, Russ Olson, who's our VP of Consulting, wrote a great blog post that really delves into um, sort of the, the hows and whys of running the team the way we do um, and specifically how it impacts the consulting organization um, in terms of organizing for projects and communication. Um, and I've said in the past publicly that that I think the important thing to remember in a distributed organization is that, uh, and this is in my opinion, but I think it's a fairly well-based in fact, a distributed team is not as effective as an all-co-located team. If you took the same people and put them in a shared space, 
those people would be more effective uh, than taking those same people and distributing them all over the planet or even all over the country. Uh, being co-located allows for serendipity. It allows for stronger interpersonal bonding. It just cuts down on communication overhead uh, and it allows a team to move quicker. On the other hand, you simply can't have a team made up of the people that we have a team made up of and have them be co-located. Uh, Cognitech would not exist in its current form if we were mandating that everybody be here in Durham or everybody be in New York or whatever. Um, Rich Hickey lives in New York. He was not going to move to North Carolina uh, as part of this organization. You live in Cin- uh, Cincinnati, right? Yep, no. Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati. I keep wanting to say Columbus, but no, that's a different city. <laughs> uh, you're in Cincinnati. We're going to move here to take the gig. Um, you know, the same can be said of so many of the vital members of our team. So, you know, the balance you have to strike is, well, if I take this group of highly effective people and allow them to be distributed from each other, is that a better outcome than a different set of people uh, forcing them to be co-located? And the answers are going to be different for every organization. Um, You can't simply say one of those two paths is the better path, but you can absolutely say that there is a difference in overall communication effectiveness and therefore overall effectiveness of a team. But if you have special needs, which we do, uh, and you want to work with talented people, um, regardless of where they live, then you have to go down the road that we've chosen to go down. Um, uh, that being said, um, you know some of the things that that Russ said in in the blog post and that I said previously remain firmly uh, in the sort of uh, axioms of uh, uh, of how we operate. In order to be effective this way, you have to cross the threshold from. We have 75% of the people in one space and a few remote people. You can't think that way mm-hmm. or people will always feel like remote people, which is why we talk about being a distributed company as opposed to a remote company. Um, uh, if um, you know meetings are 80% of people sitting around a table and 20% people sitting elsewhere, those 20% of people will always be at the short end of the communication stick. And we used to go through this all the time. Um, but now uh, the company is much smaller in terms of the footprint here in Durham. We really have a local Durham footprint largely because I can't work out of my house anymore. It just drives me batty. So we have to have an office just so I can leave. And those of us who are here in Durham um, uh, you know, come in and take advantage of that space. But it's not because where the work happens it's far from it you know what i mean uh, well, well that's another uh, uh highlight right that you've ju- you've just changed actual physical offices right oh yeah i'm sitting here right now in in our beautiful new space and and absolutely loving it and um you know we've we've office hopped quite a bit in our 13 years uh started the company uh, in Stu's garage um which sounds a lot more <laughs> exotic than it is he's got a very nice garage um uh but um, this will be our, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. This is our sixth office. Wow. Uh, the, you know, last nine years. Um, the new space is uh, right in the heart of downtown Durham, which is a very growing, vibrant, uh, small city. Um, we have a nice third floor office on top of, you know, in one of these mixed use buildings with restaurants downstairs and a, a lawn across the street and, and, um, uh, you know, the, the city center just to our right. And, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a remarkable space. And, and, um, I think the big change for us is that the, the previous office space, 
you know, we signed that lease four years ago when we hadn't made the commitment to being a distributed organization. And, and you know, 25 of our employees were here in Durham and, and you know, 10 were remote. Um, uh, and in the meantime, we, you know, we really embraced being distributed. And it's, those numbers had switched uh, almost exactly in the meantime. And we had this huge cavernous space. Uh, and only 10 of us were in the office on any given day. So now we have a space that really fits the local footprint and, um, you know, it's brand new and custom built to, to suit what we do. And, and, um, our new landlord is a, is a great woman and, and, uh, she's a pleasure to work with. Um, uh, and, uh, so we're very, very excited to be in here. We've been here two weeks now. I can't wait to, to see it come. too. <laughs> it was it was a joy to come back from uh, uh, Conj and walk into a brand new space uh, and just start living here. And by the way, while I've got you know this public platform, I just want to send a public shout out to uh, the three people here. Move happen, which were um, Diane Butler and Kim Foster and Jen Hudson. Um, uh, that crew did uh, most of the heavy lifting around planning the space and and uh, organizing uh, the you know, the movers to come and, and, and move us around. And, uh, just without the work that they put in, uh, we would not have pulled off, uh, the move in anything like the right amount of time. And we wouldn't have had a space that, that is as awesome and, and feels as good as it does. So thanks to those three for, uh, really, really, um, going above and beyond the call of duty to, to make this awesome. Yeah. Being a distributed company, one of the uh, nice things that happened in the, um, past year, for me especially, was actually getting to come down and meet everybody in person uh, during, I think we had, what, two two cognations yep. uh, get-togethers? Yeah, that, that yeah, was a lot of fun. Fall, or one in the spring and then one in the fall. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed both of them this year. Um, uh, we, we branched out and held one in an uh, off-site location in Durham uh, the second time um, just to break the monotony of always being in the office, but... Um, I, I also just going back to the theme of distributed, I can't say that enough. You have to make a commitment to get everybody together at least once a year, if not more. And we tried to ramp that up to multiple times a year, um, uh, this year. And, and I think that's the right ratio. Um, you know, it can get expensive, but you have to do it. People have to be able to put names to faces and remind themselves that they're all on the team. And, and that's way easier said, uh, and done together, uh, than trying to do, you know, we, we have a weekly all hands meeting on Skype, which is great, but it's just not the same. <laughs> yeah. What, one of the, um, the processes that me being, um, you know, semi new to the, the cognations that I, that I really appreciate is, um, it, it's actually the appreciations process, um, at the end, which I think, you know, might be a, a good process for other people to pick up if, if you want, if you want to talk about it. Yeah, we um we learned this uh gosh. It was back in the uh you know, it was something we learned from our early agile development days and as we really do uh embrace um what it meant to 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 be an agile development team back in the early 2000s and um you know, as we as we looked at how to change development process, we picked up new habits like having a daily stand-up where you actually stand up and force everybody to speak quickly about their status and get, you know, uh, any blockers res resonated. We also picked up the notion of having, you know, regular risk assessments. Uh, what's standing in the way? What, what, could, what could be a risk to this project? How are we planning ahead for those risks? And the other part of our agile development process was uh, having retrospectives. And a retro would be a regularly scheduled meeting where the team sits around and talks about what went well or didn't go well over the intervening time period, usually two weeks or a month, 
um, what could go better next time, how it will change the process, that sort of thing. Um, but somewhere in that process, we added uh, this idea of appreciations um, into the mix. And, and so the idea was there was an exercise you could do where you draw a quadrant up on the board and one of the quadrants you would put things that went well. In another quadrant, you'd put things that went poorly. In a third quadrant, you'd put ideas you have for how to improve things. And in the fourth quadrant, you'd put appreciation, something that somebody did that you wanted to call out and say thank you for doing. Um, well, that became such a powerful part of the retrospectives that we made it its own thing. So instead of having those four quadrants, we would have the three quadrants, good, bad, and ideas, but then we would have a special time just for appreciation. It's expanded that into our corporate meetings. And um, because uh, I think that one of the things that goes largely missing in a lot of development environments is, and in fact, a lot of corporate environments is that people get called out when they do something terrible um, or they get called out when they screw up. But very rarely do you have an organized way to call somebody out for being excellent or nice or competent or whatever. But it does turn out that that's such an incredibly powerful thing to publicly stand up in front of other people and say, I want to thank you for doing X. You know, So uh, I, Justin, the CEO, am right now thanking you, Karen, for being willing to jump in and, and take on part of the role of being a Cognicast host because uh, I think the Cognicast is an awesome uh, thing. And um, with Craig's departure, I didn't want to see it disappear um, and having you and uh, other folks step up and be willing to to join the fray uh, is an awesome thing so thank you i am um, honored thank you <laughs> but that is exactly the kind of thing that you want people to do in front of your whole team because it makes people remind themselves that it's not just about not screwing up it's about actually going and doing the right thing um and it builds trust and uh, so it's been awesome and it's it's been been a tradition for us for the last I would say four years at every corporate meeting, um, we end the meeting with uh, usually about an hour of um, uh, appreciations. And um, that takes the form of everybody sitting in a giant circle. And usually we have some sort of talking stick that you can request. It's almost always our stuffed plushy Cthulhu. Um, the the uh, last but, meeting, though, it was it was something rather larger. Yes, it was a giant metal Cognitech logo um, <laughs> that I was afraid somebody was going to get decapitated with um, uh, while people were carelessly handing it around. But yes, I think that we'll go back to stuff plushy Cthulhu next time. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, lot less dangerous and uh, you can throw him. <laughs> well, cool. Um, have we? Are there any other highlights that I, I've missed, I think, of, of the last year? I'm trying to think. I mean, I think that's a that's a pretty good summation. Um, uh, once again, you know, we've done um, Closure West, Euroclosure, and Closure Conj. Once again, uh, each of those um, uh, events featured more than half of the attendees were first-time attendees to a closure event, um, uh, which is an ongoing trend that that um, continues to be exciting. Uh, to see um, uh, lots of new faces flowing into the community. Uh, we've been very pleased to see the ongoing, uh, you know, success of the Closure Bridge endeavor, which I'll remind people is not a Cognitech um, uh, endeavor. Uh, we're happy to be sponsors and thrilled to see um, uh, that continue to blow grow. Um, uh, and if you haven't um, either contributed to or sponsored or 
sent somebody to a closure bridge, uh, definitely something that, that we encourage uh, you to get involved in. It, it, it um, has created a, a great opportunity for lots uh, of um, women and folks from underrepresented groups to um, jump in and experience closure. And, and uh, uh, it's always fun to talk to people at the events or, or anytime uh, and hear the stories of them, you know, what happened after, after a closure bridge in, in their career and, and um, people who are now, you know, uh, working as closure programmers, some of them speaking at conges, um, or other, uh, uh, events. And, um, that's really just, uh, a joy. Um, also I'd like to point out that, that the number of, um, closure events that, that are, you know, sponsored and, and held, uh, without anything to do with us continues to grow, seeing them worldwide, seeing them elsewhere in the U S. Um, uh, I'll just remind people, you don't have to be, uh, employed at Cognitech to run a closure based event and feel free. It's, uh, it's open technology. So, um, uh, uh, you know, more of that is better. Um, so, uh, I think those are really cool things that, that continue to happen in 2016. Um, uh, you know, obviously some, um, sad things happen in 2016. Uh, was, uh, as I said, um, on Twitter, uh, which is where a lot of my public statements happen, but um, uh, you know, it was a real shock to see um, the passing of Anthony Grimes yes. uh, not long ago. Um, uh, you know, a real shock to me personally, um, and a shock to the community. Um, uh, I will never forget um, the first Conj and Chaz's work to help get him there, um, and being able to meet him. Uh, at the next conj, I think one of the 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 joys of the second conj for me was um, at Anthony's talk um, when he was standing up at the podium getting ready to give his uh, talk on um, uh, security for closure. He was <laughs> he registered that he was very thirsty, and uh, so I went off and got some bottles of water and brought them to him. And um, the sort of shock on his face when he realized that. Uh, that was the uh, CEO of Cognitive of Relevance at the time, bringing him water at the stage um, was uh, always hysterical to me because uh, he was still new to the community and didn't realize how little I uh, <laughs> I rate. <laughs> um, so that was a lot of fun, uh, and uh, you know I know that you know the community is going to miss him terribly. Uh, and uh, yes, he was he was pretty amazing. So <laughs> I had the chance to meet him too at the at the second conch, and just he was so uh, young and, and vibrant and smart, just whip smart. Um, yeah. And I do want to thank everybody in the community. You know, it's not my place to thank everybody, so maybe congratulate is a better word for um, kicking in uh, on the GoFundMe um, uh, to help his family. Uh, that was great to see and, uh, you know, <laughs> certainly exactly what I expected out of uh, the community. If people knew him, um, you know, good on everybody for being generous and kind um, in a time of uh, need. So, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm very thankful for the closure community. I think there's just a, a lot of, of great people out there, um, you know, just nice. And uh, I think everybody comes together. It, it's absolutely true, and, and it's one of the things that I um, remark upon every time we do one of these closure surveys is, you know, we ask all kinds of questions and, and, and try to figure out what gets in people's way or, or what causes people to have frustrations, or um, and uh, it's, uh, it's 
truly, truly gratifying to see that, you know, uh, having a welcoming community uh, around the technology rates super high every year and that very few people, you know, bounce off the community in a negative way. And, and uh, you know, it's really important um, to me personally, to everybody here at Cognitech, to the whole Closure team, that that, that, that be true. And um, uh, it, it seems to be the case and, and, uh, and certainly this year, um, both in terms of, you know, the good stuff that's happened, but even in times of, of tragedy, uh, that, that just, it, it's proved itself to be true all the more. So, um, you know, being involved in the community, it's, it's, it's a great thing. Yes, definitely. Uh, well, let's, uh, take a, a minute to actually, uh, cast our thoughts forward to the future. <laughs> and uh, a brand new year. Um, so, do you, do you have anything on the horizon? Something that you're looking forward to, or um, you know, <laughs> or anything you want to yeah. talk about in the up, up, upcoming year? For sure, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, obviously, there's things that are in flight now that I'm very much looking forward to seeing become, you know, fully fledged. Uh, obviously, um, spec is still in an alpha form, um, and seeing it become, uh, you know, uh, to to roll out into full production mode um, is obviously on rushing. Um, uh, there's still a lot of work to be done um, to get there, but um, very much looking forward to seeing that. And to, uh, you know, working with uh, the community to continue to find out how spec changes things. Um, You know, we have ideas about what it does for us, but, um, you know, it is really a a stab at doing something uh, a little differently. It's obviously standing on the shoulders of giants, Um, uh, you know, but we want to see that technology empower people to do great things and so in order to do that we're going to have to really talk to people about what it is empowering them to do and learning and so i'm very very much looking forward to that obviously we also just announced the um the clients for datomic which are still in alpha themselves um uh and rolling out uh the final versions of those plus more of them um and enabling people to you know um uh build on top of that um, uh, is something I'm looking forward to in 2017 as well. I really want to see uh, people be able to take um, Datomic and and really build the kinds of applications they want to build out of it. Uh, so um, uh, that's pretty cool to me. We'll be moving ahead with uh, announcing um, the full spate of um, uh, closure events that we sponsor uh, early in the year so oh, that everybody cool. can really plan ahead mm-hmm. um, in 2017 and, and understand, you know, when and where we'll be hosting something so so they can make their decisions um, in, in that regard as early as possible. I want to give people as much heads up as possible this year. So definitely look for that early in the year. That's great. Uh, uh, and it's important. I mean, I think people, you know, uh, it, it's important for us to get, get the best that we can, but it's also important for attendees and sponsors and everybody else who wants to be involved to be able to think about it um, early enough. So that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, and then obviously uh, in 2017, we we want to continue to build um, relationships to all of the places where we are, you know, building uh, real reach. Um, and we've had a great year uh, in 2016 getting over to Europe more. Um, I want to see more of that happen. I think that's trending very well and, and we're very excited to do that and, and, you know, to support the partners that we have over there. You know, obviously we, we worked this year, uh, with, um, uh, the vacuum labs folks to bring, 
Euroclosure into Bratislava, which was a lot of fun. And, and that the was. Back, <laughs> the folks were a pleasure to work with. Really, really helpful um, to the team in terms of bringing that to bear. Um, obviously, we continue to work with folks like Juxt over in London, um, helping support them and, and the events that they put on and, you know, reach to their communities. And then obviously the customers we work with over there as well. And so it's um, that's a lot of fun. Uh, and it's always a joy for me to be able to play and go over to Europe for a little bit. So, you know, <laughs> a little, little selfish, uh, looking forward to 2017 <laughs> that way. Um, and, uh, uh, I can't say as I'm looking forward to it, but looking, uh, ahead into 2017 to find out how the world is going to be different. Um, certainly the world is going to be different next year. Um, and, uh, I don't have the faintest idea what that's going to look like yet. So, I don't think anybody else does either. So, <laughs> uh, nope. Uh, but I'm certainly buckling down to work hard to make it um, the the best that I can help make it be, and uh, and we're gonna see how it flows. But um, you know, here at um, Cognitech, we really do have a strong desire to try to bring um, technologies that empower people to make a difference um, uh, out into the world, and um, uh, you know, we really want to em- enable folks to. You know, be a force for change uh, and a, a force for good in the world. So um, uh, we're going to continue to focus on doing that, and um, uh, hopefully, 2017 will be a banner year as a result. Yep, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, knock on something. Knock on something. Uh, so yeah, so we're coming to the um, the close of the show, and traditionally, um, I'm going to ask you for a piece of advice. It's a little bit more of a platitude than it is advice. Um, but it's also something I said uh, probably on Twitter, maybe somewhere else uh, not so long ago. Um, it is important to remember that as much as we believe that the arc of history bends towards justice, um, it doesn't bend on its own. You have to bend it. That's an active thing. Uh, and so my platitude is don't forget that. And my advice is get to bending. All right. Well, um, thank you, and I think it's time to wrap it up here. Uh, Thank you again, Justin, for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you, Karen, uh, for being uh, willing to talk to me. (laughs) And thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, This has been the Cognicast. You have been listening to the Cognacast. The Cognacast is a production of Cognitech Inc. Cognitech are the makers of Datomic. Emory provides consulting services around it, closure, and a host of other technologies to businesses ranging from the smallest startups to the Fortune 50. You can find us on the web at Cognitech.com and on Twitter at, at Cognitech. You can subscribe to the Cognicast, listen to past episodes, and view cover art, show notes, and episode transcripts at our home on the web, cognitech.com slash cognicast. You can contact the show by tweeting at cognicast or by emailing us at podcast at cognitech.com. Our guest today was Cognitech CEO Justin Getlin on Twitter at jgetlin. That's at j-g-e-h-t-l-a-n-d. Our host in her inaugural outing was Karen Meyer, who is at Gigasquid, that's at G-I-G-A-S-Q-U-I-D, think many, many free-swimming mollusks, 
on Twitter and GitHub. Episode cover art is by Michael Parento. Audio production is by Russ Olson and Damian Mack. The Cognicast is produced by Kim Foster. Our theme music is Thumbs Up for Rock and Roll by Kill the Noise with Feed Me. I'm Russ Olson. Thanks for listening. <laughs>